This is the Growing Up Rock Podcast with your hosts, Stephen Michael and Sonny Hollywood Pooney. Now, crank it up. Do we want to get right? So, Sonny, we're done with our Def Leppard series for the year 2022. And all that's left to do is basically rank the Def Leppard albums. All these albums that we reviewed over the course of this year. Let me ask you this. Were there any surprises for you when you went back to some of these albums that you maybe haven't heard in a while? There was a couple. You know, we'll talk about it. But there was one that I was like, man, I ranked that pretty low because I really don't like that album very much. And then there was a new one, uh, not new, but newer to me that kind of snuck in and go, all right, that's uh, actually not bad. Yeah. So when we started the year, we originally had 12 albums slotted out and it was going to get us through the year, through the 12 months. But then Def Leppard releases a new album in the year, which we hadn't counted on. And I felt like you know, it was released early enough in the year to where I really felt like we'd be doing an injustice if we didn't at least take a listen and map that record out. And that'd be Diamond Star Halos. So we ended up reviewing that. So what kind of happened in the end is that December basically became Def Leppard month with Diamond Star Halos. We did the uh, bonus retroactive episode because throughout the year, people were like, you're not doing retroactive. You're not doing retroactive. So we ended up doing that. Then we've always had planned to do this album ranking episode because that's what we did with the Van Halen series as well. We got the listeners involved in this episode so that they would rank their albums from one to 12 And that's kind of where we're at. And it's nice to kind of sew this whole year up with this episode. 
Yeah, it'll be fun because uh, I got some comments to share and uh, some of these rankings were interesting. Yeah, so before we get too far into this, let's do what we normally do here around the Grown Up Rock headquarters and do a little bit of Crank It Up. It's time for the Crank It Up New Music Spotlight. All right, so tonight's Crank It Up New Music Spotlight comes to us from Guernica Mancini, the lead singer from Thunder Mother. She is venturing off and doing a solo project. I think it's just a solo project. She's not leaving Thunder Mother, to my knowledge. And she put together a sort of a pop rock album. And she's been working on this record for a while. That's according to her record company, Golden Robot Records. She's put out the first single on November 11th called Inception, although there's no indication as to exactly when the full album is going to be released. This song, Inception, was created for her album, but also is being used by an MMA fighter from Sweden, a woman MMA fighter from Sweden. And so they use this song as their walkout song, walkout music, whatever you want to call it. So check out this first single called Inception. I've been stuck in my dreams running aimlessly around. Feels like flying but inside dying about to hit the ground time to wake up light like a feather trust the voice inside get yourself together so give me some Okay, so I didn't know this was hitting the airwaves. You know, you sent it in the text group. First, I watched it with the video. That was a little distracting. So I'm like, all right, let me listen to this thing without the video. I like that it does not sound like ACDC. It does not sound like Thunder Mother. I like that it's a little more straight ahead rock. And goddamn, that vocal is outstanding. The parts where she goes high, like she goes high and then she takes it like two steps further on, on the word Inception. I'm like, holy shit. Yeah, and today 
I'm like, I wonder if she's like in a, in the recording studio or they're doing rehearsal or, you know, they're doing sound check and she starts singing, blah, blah, blah. And somebody from Thunder Mother says, no, 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 more Brian Johnson. That's too, that's too out there. Like we, no, no, no. We're more like ACDC. That, that's too much. Right. And she's got like a little bit of a clamp, a little bit of a muzzle on her in Thunder Mother. And this allows her to be who she is. Cause I like the song. I like the vocal. I like the melody. I like the music. I don't know if the rest of the album I like, but that really surprised me. Yeah. So it's been my opinion or my perception that with the last two Thunder Mother records, Heat Wave and uh, this latest one, she's ventured out, right? Cause they have like some blues tunes, nothing to this degree, because to me, this is pop rock and there may be some stuff on this new record she's working on that may be even popular i don't know it'll be interesting to hear what comes out of her but i've felt like she's ventured out especially vocally on the last two albums i just think she's a killer singer i think she's really really strong and this single for me definitely showcases that uh without a doubt yeah it's just odd right we grew up in a environment in the 80s and 90s, when the lead singer goes out solo, it doesn't always work too good coming back. Like, But those days have changed now. It's not like that anymore. No, because I think really everybody is aware that in order for musicians to stay afloat these days, the name of the game is projects, right? Projects, 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 whether that's side band projects, whether it's solo projects, whether it's whatever it is. And uh, I think that this is just another case of that. Thunder Mother's not a big enough band. Guernica Mancini's not a big enough name to be a quote-unquote solo artist in the way that we think of solo artists from our times where they left the band. David Lee Roth leaves Van Halen, goes, becomes a solo artist. It isn't like that. It's more like, okay, Guernica Mancini known for Thunder Mother, but now she's also working with this artist or she's putting out this solo project. It's just another feather in the cap, so to speak, right? Yeah, good on her though. Man, I am looking forward to the album. This single did not shy me away from listening to whatever she's going to put out there. Yeah, and like I said, I don't have any dates on the record. I don't know when it's coming. They haven't even told me the name of the album. Uh, it's just, we have this inception song and she's working on it. And so she's been working on it. So we'll see where that goes and what they have to go after that. Please make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Growing Up Rock, and leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a like and leave us a comment on Facebook at Growing Up Rock. Okay. So the Def Leppard album ranking. So the way we kind of did this is we put a post out and said, look, here's kind of what the post said. Hello all, our 2022 Def Leppard album review series is coming to an end. For the last episode of the year, we will be ranking all 12 Def Leppard studio albums as a group. I would love to get your personal rankings. You don't have to rank all 12 if you aren't a super duper fan. And what I did was I listed all the albums in order. I figured if I didn't put this disclaimer of, look, you don't got to rank all 12 if you don't want to, is... You would get some folks that just don't do it anyway, and some that feel like, well, they can't answer if they can't answer all 12. And, you know, maybe Van Halen doesn't have that problem, but if we were to ever do Whitesnake, we'd have the same problem. If we were ever to do Crew, we'd have the same problem. Like, there's just bands out there that there's a certain part of their album cycles that people just do not go to that came from kind of our musical bang zone of the 80s or 90s. But after I put that out there, over a hundred people ranked the albums in one way or another and reached out to me, which I thought was just outstanding. Yeah, it's great participation. It, it makes a show like this a little bit more valid. Uh, it's interesting to find out when you do the stats where everything ends up. And even if it's exactly what you thought it was going to be, it's still interesting to hear from a hundred different people and their thoughts on it. Yeah. All right. So to start the rankings, let's start <laughs> with some just overall comments because this was just kind of the lay of the land. So in no particular order here, David Ivy says seven through 12 are equally lame. So remember I <laughs> listed these in order. Mark Adams, five through 12 are all tied for number 12 rank. Tim Selby says the first three are great. Throw the rest in the trash. John Harden, first five and nothing else. 
CC Ryder, after the first three, the rest don't matter. Ken Keenan, after the first four ranks, I'll just stop there. Vimana Viminator, first two, throw the rest away. Judy Rosenfeld Winooski, still love the band, but really only listen to the old stuff. Eugene Yusau, just giving you five since the rest are crap. And Craig Moran, five through 12, who cares? That's just kind of how it went. So it's it's kind of interesting to me because there really are sort of two or three class of Def Leppard fans. You have the really early fans that literally only recognize on through the night and high and dry because there there's a fraction of fans that they only like those two albums. They don't even like Pyromania, which to me is like, holy crap, really? But they're so new wave of British heavy metal heavy metal sound those first two albums are that by the time they get to power mania and all the lush vocals and the and the more pop oriented songs they don't like that no matter how good power mania is and then there's a fraction of fans that come in at hysteria and it's they like hysteria and really nothing else like that's they'll like a couple of things maybe off of power mania but it's hysteria that's where they came in And then there's, I'm sure, a newer generation of fans that are like after hysteria. So they they like like adrenalize and and stuff like that. So it's kind of interesting that makeup of Def Leppard fan. Yeah, there was definitely (laughs) there was definitely some more comments. We're going to share some comments as we go through the rankings here. Now, before I go to what ranked number 12, I will tell you that 42% of all the people who answered did rank all the albums. Five different albums got it either number one or number two rank, right? So the seven albums didn't rank in the top two, no matter what with anybody. And you can probably guess what five those are. That's, that's the reality <laughs> of the situation. You mean, you telling me nobody voted X as number one? No, no. <laughs> and interesting that you mention X because our 12th ranked last ranked album was X. I ranked it number 11. I actually have one that's worse. You ranked it at 12. Chris D said it best. X is completely forgettable. Like there was just not very many people into X at all. And like the average score out of 12 was 11.164. That's how bad X ranked on people's list. That most likely does not surprise you. It's not a good album. I mean, I I said it in the review. It's just super... It's super poppy. There's not, it's not really a rock record. And I think maybe, I don't know, you have to go back and listen to the review, but there was like two or three songs that I thought were redeemable from my side. I know love is a four letter word was probably my favorite song off that record, but the rest of it is just, I don't know. And that was the record that had all the outside songwriters working with them. And it's just, it's shit basically. If there's a wish at the top of my list uh. 
And there was really three albums that fought for the garage spot on this. But landing at number 11, you ranked it at number 10. I ranked it at nine. The average was 11. And that's the record, yeah. So Charles Trainer said, after the first three, the rest are all tied for four because they are all horrid. So <laughs> yeah, being ranked 11th, I guess that probably doesn't surprise you either. It doesn't, but do you think, so my problem with yeah, or my defense of yeah, is that I don't think it's necessarily that bad of a record, but is it getting, is it getting more hardships because it's a cover record? versus uh, a record of new material. Uh, I think if they were good covers and people actually <laughs> knew them, right? So here's where, you know, we talked about it a few episodes ago. Well, they're not doing it for the fans. They're doing it for themselves. Okay. Well, okay. So if you're going to do it for yourself, then you got to live with fans don't like it, right? If fans had the choice of having you do 14 covers, these are not the 14 covers they would have chose. Kevin Williams likes it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he didn't rank it number one or two. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> at number 10, and again, these three, like I said, were kind of fighting for the last spot because it averaged a 10.9. You ranked it eighth. I ranked it dead last. Songs from the Sparkle Lounge, Christopher Powell. It's like, I know the first four albums, the rest, who cares? <laughs> and then I think he, he wrote like songs, question mark. Like, it's just not a favorite of most. And I didn't really enjoy the record at all. When I initially listened to songs from the Sparkle Lounge, I thought I liked it. That was way back when, whenever it came <laughs> out. When I went back to the record for this series, for this review, I was surprised that I thought I liked it as much as I did. Because I was like, yeah, okay, I see where, where some people don't like this. I get it. I still think that there are some decent songs on songs from the Sparkle Lounge, which is why I ranked it uh, number eight. But yeah, it's it's not. A, I don't. I didn't enjoy it listening back for the series as much as I thought I enjoyed it when it first came out. I guess. Yeah, that's fair. At number nine, the average score. So the seven, eight, and nine really kind of bunched together. So at number nine, the average score was a ten point six three nine. You actually had it ranked seventh. I had it ranked fifth. And I think out of this list, this is probably the surprising one to us. And it's the Def Leppard self-titled record. So Damian Murphy said after retroactive, never heard the rest of them. And I would tell you about a third of the folks that sent in a ranking ranked retroactive. I did not list retroactive as one of the choices. And almost everybody ranked retroactive dead center. It was either five, six, or seven on everybody's list, right? which makes sense. But I think this Def Leppard self-titled record, it surprised me. And number five, that means it's better than some of the classics to me, right? So, and I think it might've surprised you too. I actually thought it going into this series that this record would be the most underrated record on the list because my thought was when this record came out that I thought it was pretty good. I was like, there's there's some nice gems on this record and people aren't giving it a chance because it came so late. And then when I revisited the record for the series, I stood by that in the review and said, man, there, there are some good songs on this record. Now, listen, <laughs> let me just put this in perspective. When I say good songs on this Def Leppard record and this self-titled record, just assume that we're talking about everything after hysteria we're not talking about stuff that competes with pyromania or high and dry at least i'm not i'm not referring to it that, that. i'm saying that there's good stuff on this self-titled def leopard record with respect to everything from hysteria on that's what i'm saying yeah yeah that's fair Writings on the wall 
Number eight, it's basically been out about 10 days, I think. <laughs> it's been out a little longer than that. Diamond Star Halos, I had it at eight, you had it at nine. Jolie Alder said a comment that I think a lot of people would probably agree with. She goes, it's hard to express how much we loved Def Leppard back in the day. However, they really are two different bands. Our Def Leppard is up through Pyromania. I love them, so I don't begrudge them all their popularity but after the Pyromania, they're right, really not for me. And they are two different bands because I think they're trying to survive a landscape change. And they're one of the ones that did survive. No, they didn't. Yeah, they sold 10 million Pyromania albums and 10 million Hysteria albums. But then they didn't sell 10 million put together of the rest of the albums. Yeah, that's true. But I think you got to do something to live, right? Yeah, well, I think also, as you pointed out, right, the record-selling market, the landscape changes over the period of time. But also, I think it was a girl that made that statement, correct? Right. Yeah, so I think the statement that she made was very valid. But what I would say is that there are songs within these more recent albums that some of them, and we've made the comment before, that this song could have been on Pyromania. This song could have been on Hysteria. So there are songs within these later records that show that same brilliance that the core of us feel were on those first three, four records, right? Yeah, yeah. Coming in at number seven, the average score was 10, but it ranked at seventh. I had it at 10, you had it at 11, and that's slang. Marshall Mason said something interesting. He goes, I was listening carefully to these episodes in the hopes that I might've missed something post hysteria. And unfortunately I have not, none <laughs> of it's, none of it's painful, but it's all incredibly bland and not worth listening to much less owning. They all rank equally bad, but since adrenalize had some gems on it, I added it to my list. What in the hell happened to Def Leppard? And it's just, they can't. You know, we talked about it on one of the episodes. They're 40. They're 45. Like, they can't be singing about stuff that they were singing about when they were 22 years old. At some point, you have to grow past that. Yeah, I think it's a combination of a lot of stuff. A lot of people want to take the easy way out and go, oh, Pete Willis isn't in the band anymore, or Steve Clark's not in the band anymore. It's, I mean, yeah, okay, that's an easy way, and maybe, maybe it's the sum of, the five original guys together that makes that chemistry. But I think it's much more in depth than that. And I think that you're right. I think uh, obviously age is a big part of it. Producers are a big part of it. Life experiences are a big part of it. It's, it's a lot of things. It's not just one person or one thing uh, when it comes to stuff like this. 
At number six, now it's interesting where this thing ranked. It's Euphoria. Both of us had it at six, and the average score was like a nine, about a nine and a half. But it's like almost as if Euphoria just kind of got a break from everybody, right? It's like, you know what? It's okay. Compared to these albums, possibly I've never heard as a fan, right? So Long Paul said it well. I couldn't name any songs off of seven of these albums. And you know what? I have friends that would say they're Def Leppard fans. And if I said, name a song after Adrenalize, if they could come up with three, I'd be surprised. Mm -hmm. I don't think you're wrong. Yeah. Well, with Euphoria, a couple things. One was Euphoria was coming back after Slang. Uh, and after people heard Slang, they were like, God damn, I just want something that's even similar to what Def Leppard was. And so that that was Euphoria. But Euphoria was also one of those gems to me, like the self-titled Def Leppard record, whereas I didn't really give this record much of a chance when it first came out. But, and I said this in the episode, after hearing Promises live and going back to Euphoria when I found out that's where that song was, it gave me a new sort of, love for euphoria and i think euphoria has a lot of great music on it which i said that in the review and so people that are just kind of turning their nose up at it i mean promises that's amazing pop gem almost every bit as good as a photograph i mean it's a really good song a really well written song so I just feel like if people are really seriously, especially nowadays when you can get this music and stream it, if you're really turning the volume knob down after hysteria, I think that you're missing some gems along the way. Yeah, that's fair. Okay, top five. And now we get into the avenue where 
Some of these got a number one rank. Some of these got a number two rank. And at number five, I gave it a two rank. You gave it a four rank. Three people ranked it at number two, two plus me. And that's Adrenalize. And yes, I ranked it number two, which is going to surprise you because there are some albums left that you're like, oh my God, this is your second favorite. I just love the poppiness of it. For the time that it came out, that stuff could have came out in 85 and I would have loved it. But there was other folks that liked it too. And it, you know, kind of ranked right at the tail end of what I guess people would say the classic albums, most fans and most of the people who ranked these albums pretty much ranked through Adrenalize. That's when they really, you know, I guess make love like a man kind of, that's when they threw in the <laughs> towel. They're like, okay, that's, you like that's it. <laughs> <laughs> so I think Adrenalize was a hard record for a lot of the hardcore Def Leppard fan, the old school Def Leppard fan, right? Because Steve Clark was dead. Uh, he passed away in the making of this record. So I think that was hard for a lot of people to deal with. And the times were changing at this time because what was it? 91, 92, right? When this record came out. So the landscape of music is changing and you're coming out with make love like a man. You're coming out with uh, let's get rocked, which as cheesy as it is to your point, there's a lot of pop sort of feel good goodness on this record with those songs. And I've said it before is it's probably hard for a lot of people to admit that make love like a man, a song like that with that title is a good song. That song is a pretty good song. There's some good pop hooks of that song. And there's other songs on this album that are really pretty nice pop hook goodness. And I think tonight's on this record. And tonight is a song that to me could have been on Pyromania. I absolutely rediscovered that song. I was like, this song's awesome. So Adrenalize gets a lot of shit, but uh, I think there's some really good stuff on Adrenalize. At number four, and it was solid number four, I ranked it number seven because I just don't like Joe's vocal stylings on this record. You ranked it number three. One person ranked it number one. 8% of the people ranked it at number two, and that's on through the night. You know, just like you said, there's a collective few that like, all right, on through the night, high and dry. That's it. Even Baco's like, I'll rank the first four, but then wrote, and the rest don't matter. Right, Even somebody who's got a podcast that keeps saying rock is not dead. Don't give a shit about when Def Leppard after the fourth record. It's the, you know, there is that old, old school, hardcore new wave of British heavy metal sound, which on through the night is, you know, it's just a young raw band that's trying to discover themselves, which is what that record has. And there's some great stuff on that record. And I like it because I like the new wave of British heavy metal, but the difference from album to album, 
from on through the night to high and dry, and then again from high and dry to pyromania is unbelievable. Like the growth to me in those three albums from the same band is crazy good. And I don't know if that's Mutt Lang or what, but it's crazy growth. And it's it's amazing. All right, get in the top three. And just take a note, 15 people had this top three album ranked sixth or worse. I had it at number three. You had it at five. 10% of the people had it at number one. 21% of the people had it at number two. And that's hysteria. And, you know, there's those hardcores that are like, that's not my Def Leppard. There was a lot of people didn't even bother ranking this record. Hysteria for a lot of people is the same as Van Halen's 1984. And what I mean by that is it is a entry point to a lot of the fans. For me, 1984, not my favorite Van Halen record. It wasn't my first Van Halen record, and I think it's good, but it's not the end-all to be-all. Hysteria, I mean, it sold 10 million records, so they love this record. But to me, it doesn't touch Pyromania. It's got way too many ballads on it. The guitars have been neutered in the mix on this record. And I just don't think it's that great of a record. And, you know, obviously enough people think it is that great of a record. So it is what it is. But uh, from my personal taste, it's a neutered guitar record that has some brilliant flashes of mix and new technology and I get all that and I respect it and I appreciate it for what it is, but not my favorite Def Leppard record by a long shot. All right. So at number two, two people had this ranked at number four. I was one of them. Everybody else had it three or up. Darren Hunt said exactly what you said about a group of people after Pyromania, the rest of their music doesn't matter at my house. Their high point was high and dry. And we are talking about high and dry. You had it ranked at number two. 43% of everybody who sent in a survey had it at number one and the other third had it at number two, right? So this is a popular record. My problem with this record overall is that it's a bridge to me, right? It's still part new wave of British heavy metal, but the pop sensibilities are just coming out. It hits a home run on certain songs and then it really misses for me and others. For me, high and dry represents just a straight ahead, aggressive, hard rock record. And I love it. I just, I love it. It's not my first Def Leppard record, but it's a record that grew. Like when I first discovered the record, I liked it. But over the course of time, over the course of 25, 30 years, however long this record's been out, 40 years at this point, it's grown in my heart. Because I think just some of the the first three songs on that record are so fantastic. It's such a great uh, one, two, three punch. And there's just some really great hard rock music on that record. And it's aggressive and I dig it. And so that's why High and Dry is so high for me.
And then at number one, the only record we got left, there was nobody had it ranked below their number three. Both of us had it at number one. The averages between Pyromania and High and Dry were really, really close because 46% of the people had Pyromania at number one. Remember, High and Dry had 43%. 34% of the people had Pyromania at number two, and High and Dry was at 33%. So by default, Pyromania ranked number one. I'm not sure that's a surprise to anybody. I think the first day we started even thinking about doing a Def Leppard year-long album episode thing, we would have put money that Pyromania was going to win, and it did. When the worst thing you can say about a record or songs is that, eh, I'm a little burned on it. If that's the worst thing you can say about a record, because this record is perfect for me. I mean, I love each and every song that's on this record, even the deep cuts. Do I like them equally? No, there's probably some songs I like better than others on the record, but I like every one of them. And none of them for me personally are skippers. And if they are skipped at this point, it's because of that fatigue word. Uh, This was my first Def Leppard record. It's a record that I was so in love with. I skipped school one day to stay home and listen to it. I mean, that's what this record is for me. And it broke a lot of ground. People talk about hysteria breaking a lot of new technology and breaking a lot of uh, recording ground. Maybe so, but Pyromania did it before that. And Pyromania, I feel like, is the blueprint for the Bon Jovis and all these bands with these big harmonies and big vocals that came after that in hard rock music. That's what I feel like a record like Pyromania is. And so, yeah, that's <laughs> it deserves to be number one. It's my number one. And I know that a lot of people say high and dry is their number one because I think that that's the cool thing to do is say high and dry is your number one. And I know people that hate Pyromania that just, just like, no, Pyromania, when they started going to that sound, it was out for me. But I think that that was the perfect picture of vocal melody and the guitars were not quite neutered like they were in hysteria. Now, you know, the guitars weren't as heavy as they were in high and dry. So I get why people were perturbed about that. But to me, there was still guitar bite in the Pyromania record. And I could imagine how many A&R guys in 84, 85, 86 tell a band, we either need a photograph or we need a rock of ages. If you don't got one of those two things, guys, I can't help you. Yep. Guaranteed. Yeah. So, all right. So let's connect it to Kiss. You wanted the best and you got the best. The hottest band in the world, Kiss. It's time for your historic moment on Growing Up Rock. For the historic moment, since we ranked Def Leppard albums, I figured, you know, I would share some rankings we've done in the past regarding Kiss albums. You know, anytime I've been involved in a Kiss album ranking, either Love Gun or Rock and Roll Over normally win out. Yeah, there's people that have saved Destroyer, blah, 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 but there's, there's a group of folks that don't like Destroyer and think it's overrated, and I'm in that group. So normally, either Rock and Roll Over or Love Gun wins. A few years ago, there was a compilation released called Kiss Night in Vegas, the album volume two is released through an organization based in Las Vegas called kissnight.org. You can go to their website, order both volumes on CD. There's a ton of great Kiss covers on them. The organization donates all of the profits to nearby schools to help them guess instruments for their music programs. Overall, pretty cool organization, and it's run by some cool guys, including a friend of mine, Stoney Curtis, who's a local musician in Las Vegas, great guy. So let's go with a cover from Rock and Roll Over, done by Keith Robert on lead guitar, Jeff Duncan on guitar, Sean Coos on bass, Todd Waitzig on drums, and our friend Zach Throne on vocals, doing their version of the Kiss classic, Making Love. Oh, 
So I listened to this right before we were uh, set to record. And, you know, as good of a Gene Simmons as Zach does, Zach really did this song justice. I like Making Love a lot. Like, this is one of my more favorite deep cut uh, Kiss tunes. They do a great job. I mean, it sounds good. I don't, the only two names I know in this lineup are Zach and Jeff Duncan. I don't know any of those other names. I'm not familiar with them. Yeah, because it's a bunch of Vegas musicians, right? So they're jumping in and out of a bunch of things out of Vegas. And I'm sure they've done, I think Sean Coos I've heard of before, but I don't readily know who the guy is. But I wouldn't know Stoney unless I ran into him in Vegas doing all the stuff he does. So, you know, it's a labor of love by KISS fans. And sometimes you get some talented guys in the room with everybody being, you know, having the same favorite band. It just brings magic. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good copy. Good uh, cover, rather. So that wraps up Def Leppard in 2022. I'm glad we did it because you're right. You know, there's, I could make a solid, at least a record or even possibly a double LP of great songs after Adrenalize, not on Retroactive, skip Retroactive, not on Adrenalize and then in that next seven albums and come up with 20 songs that, you know what? are damn good Def Leppard songs. Now, that's 20 songs out of like 80, okay? So don't get me wrong there. <laughs> but And they don't all compare to Photograph. Don't, don't get me wrong there either. But it's 20 songs that a Def Leppard fan that likes the bang zone between basically 82 to 87, maybe even 92, that would love. Well, you know what, Sonny Pony, you just indirectly gave us an idea for a future episode much farther in the future, because I think we need to take a little bit of a death leopard vacation after this year. But honestly, I think that would be an interesting episode is that uh, we each pick 10 songs after adrenalize to put an album together of death leopard tunes without more than one, maybe two songs coming off of each record or something. That'd be interesting. Yeah. And I think that would be, That'd be an entry point for some folks to just give it a chance. That's all you can kind yeah. of ask for now. But, you know, if I was to tell somebody, look, you're a Def Leppard fan, you should l- listen to the other seven albums and wade through it to get the, you know, the 20 songs you like, nobody's going to put that kind of time into it. Yeah. We, and we don't have to nowadays with Spotify. We can just throw a playlist together and say, here's our secret Def Leppard record <laughs> that comes after Adrenalize. But there are some good gems out there, and I think people are are missing them. Maybe they caught them within this review series. Who knows? But uh, I just I feel like there's a few good songs that are worth listening to or worth adding to a playlist. It's been a, a fun year. I'm glad we did this series. Uh, and next year, we've got an interesting series lined up. So hopefully, you guys will enjoy what we got cooking for next year. Yeah. So thank you for listening. Thank you for participating. Oh my God. When people send surveys in, it makes me feel so good that first of all, anybody's listening period, but then people take the time to like get involved. It's a way, easy way for people to kind of share their opinion in a protected group setting. And I really appreciate people taking the time. Yeah. And the podcast is much more fun when we're getting you guys involved, it's funner for us because it's like having these group uh, rock talks and uh, we appreciate it. So thanks again for listening. Hope you had a good 2022. Hope you have a even better 2023. Sonny, anything else to add? Nope. Happy holidays if we don't talk to you. See ya later. Get ready to shuffle, rattle, and roll. Play us out, boys.
Everyone's got a rock and roll story to tell, and we want to hear yours. So go to our website at growinguprock.com. That's one word, G-R-O-W-I-N-U-P-R-O-C-K.com. Or visit us on our Facebook page at Growing Up Rock and tell us all about it. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.